Welcome back to the Liam and Lizzie Show, aka the Old Masters Podcast. I'm Liam. And I'm Lizzie. Today we are here with Miss Anna Pinto Alexander. Anna is a is the current Executive Vice President and Global Sector Director of Interior Designs at HKS and has over 38 years of experience in designing the country's most progressive healthcare facilities. Anna has been named one of the 25 most influential people in healthcare by Healthcare Design Magazine. Her childhood in Colombia, South America, combined with extensive international travel, influenced her unique design perspective based on research and empathy. Anna established her own firm and merged with HKS in 2011 and has spoken internationally about how interior-built environments influence mood, energy, and healing processes. She graduated from Purdue with a BA in interior design and received the Distinguished Alumni Award from Purdue in 2014. She was an old master in last year's 2022 program. Let us welcome Anna Pinto Alexander. Anna, it's so great to have you here. Thank you. It's wonderful being here today. Awesome. So we're going to start with our rapid fire questions. This is a portion of our podcast where we ask you to ask uh, you some questions just so the audience can get you know get to know you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Anna, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Let's get started. So where do you call home right now? Oh, that's a good question. I uh, right now Indianapolis, Indiana. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Bogota, Colombia. What did you study at Purdue? Interior design. Why did you choose Purdue? My father chose Purdue for me. I had yeah. no choice. <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> How many languages can you speak? Three. Who was your favorite professor at Purdue, if you can remember? Or what was your favorite class? My favorite class was, um, we did had a professor, like, my goodness, he passed away. What's his name? Um, I forgot, but he passed <laughs> away. Bless his heart. Oh. So, and it was um, in just uh, drawing uh, with um, a lot of markers that you can just uh, create really wonderful perspectives. So it was perspectives and drawing that that's where my, my favorite one. That's awesome. Uh, What is your favorite Purdue tradition? My favorite Purdue tradition. Um, I I do love the the Purdue train. Uh, What's the name? Uh, um, The Boilermaker Special. (laughs) The Boilermaker Special. I love it. And my highlight is when I, I went to the Old Masters, got to ride on it. I've never... You know, you see it from the bleachers, you see it in campus, but it's like only special people get to ride it, you know. And so that was my highlight to ride. It's like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so I see you've traveled a lot. What's your favorite travel destination? I, I mean, there's so many that I absolutely love and there's so many that I want to still go. But I uh, the most different of everything was Iceland. Um it was such a contrast on um, landscape. You will feel like you were walking on the moon and then then you will see the most luscious um, greenery and waterfall and the food was wonderful. And it was, uh, and then seeing the Aurora Royale was just absolutely my highlight. So I think Iceland is probably, has been the most uh, adventurous and loved it. I love that. Um, what is your favorite project you have worked on in your career? 
in my career probably was on the of the first ones. Um, it is around 2004. It is called IU Health um, in Avon, Indiana, out of all, a little tiny little town. But this project was awesome because it was an integration of architecture, interiors, and landscape architecture, and a wonderful client. So it was a perfect, perfect project. So I can tell that you really like puzzles. Um, do you have a favorite puzzle that you've done or anything like that? Yeah, I do love particularly the puzzles that they are made out of wood, a very fine wood, they're Japanese puzzles. And um, and they are only two different sizes. So it's a little bit more challenging because they're just same size. So you have to figure out where it goes. And um, my favorite one is of three courses that I've done. Um, and it was very challenging. And I, but I absolutely, I lose myself doing puzzles I could be four hours and I realize why is my neck hurting why is my back hurting it's because I've been mm -hmm. like this you know yeah mm -hmm. um and then I heard you helped design a building at Purdue uh what building is it oh uh the Jeski uh it didn't used to be called the Jeski uh building the um the the um uh oh my god you got me from the um it's not biomedic, biomedical engineering building with Jeski. And also the nanotechnology building. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and then the last question is, you were named one of the 25 most influential people in healthcare. Can you talk about what that meant to you or what your first thoughts were after hearing that? Um, well, I, I, first it was more of validation that, you know, sometimes you just know a lot and you don't know how much you know, but you, you know that you know a lot. And, but, you know, this is something that only the people in healthcare cares about it. No one else cares about that you know so much about um, healthcare environments. And because you have to also know about the environment, you have to know also about the illness in order to know how to treat it. So, um, and I'm, I'm always fascinating, uh, fascinated about uh, reimbursements and just weird things about healthcare. I don't know why it is something that I enjoy very much. And so when I was named, uh, I was I was a little surprised. And um, but it is, you know, I did made a transition when I love uh, when I realized that I absolutely love healthcare. I really started having a deep dive into healthcare to understanding completely my profession. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for answering all of our rapid fire questions. Uh, now we can get into the rest of the show. So we've already heard a lot about you, uh, Anna, but if there's anything else that you'd like to say, if you wanted to smash it down to a little uh, 60 second sort of elevator pitch, now's, now's your chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I am um, a mother of three. I am a wife. I have also uh, two dogs that I love. And I am in my heart, I am a designer. And I'm always uh, discerning mediocrity. I love beautiful spaces. I feel like beauty is healthy. I am a person that is very compassionate and empathic. When designing built environments for healthcare, you need to have empathy. I am kind, but do not mistake my kindness for witness. I do not like that. I am, I could be very funny in a way uh, because of my accent. I made a lot, my colleagues and my husband, they make fun of my, my children, uh, of things that I have said, mispronounced, and they'll never let me forget it. 
So I, I do love making fun of myself too. I make fun of myself. So just a little bit about me. <laughs> How did Purdue prepare you for such a successful career? Well, I, I really enjoy my time at Purdue. I have fun at Purdue too. I studied, but I, I had fun and I made made uh, very good friends. And one of my dear friends is, is one of the professors at Purdue today. And when you go to Purdue University, the reputation that Purdue has in the entire world and is maybe overseas is more as higher reputation uh, that pe- really smart people go to Purdue. And I really never consider myself that smart, but I do consider myself with tons of common sense. But then being a graduate from Purdue University, it always gave me this, the people assume how much is crazy smart you went to Purdue. <laughs> and and so at Purdue, more than anything that prepared me is just to, uh, because of the incredible brand that it has and the um deep in research and engineering and mathematics and, and being a good, wholesome school um, kind of builds your character like that, too. Yeah, I, I live in state. And when I was uh, growing up surrounded by Purdue, I didn't really realize how great of a school it was until I came and I saw all of the different international students there mm-hmm. really kind of gave me a different perspective on what Purdue is and how it operates on a global scale. Yeah. I mean, my father, when I told you that he sent me to Purdue, he said, I don't care what you study at Purdue. When you return to Colombia, because you have a Purdue degree, if I can place you anywhere. And Purdue in Colombia and in other countries is in the same level as Harvard University. And so when I said people many times, where do you go to school? I say Purdue University. Everybody, everyone goes, wow. So it is something that it is maybe because it's in your backyard, you took it for granted, you know? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And so when you were getting into Purdue, um, getting in and you were uh, starting to move on through your college career, what uh, originally like piqued your interest in interior design? What what drove you to uh, pursue that? Well, that's another kind of like it just happened by um, being there. Uh, because my father was adamant that I was going to go to Purdue University and I actually wanted to go into architecture. But Purdue did not offer architecture. And he said, well, go to engineering. It's like, no, I don't like engineering. And he says, well, then go to interior design. That's how I landed in interior design. <laughs> so just by being there, honey, uh, I was no planning. I always wanted to be, I've been very artistic all my life. And I love architecture. To this day, I love architecture. I wish I would have go to school for architecture later after my interior design degree. Yeah. How much uh, do you think your sort of love for architecture actually do? How much do you think that impacts your design style when you're uh, focusing on your interior design? It, it, it impacts a lot because I'm always thinking three-dimensionally. And so shaping a space, even though it's an interior, it's an interior architecture. So you manipulate this, the volume of the spaces. And what inspires me more in, our, in, in, in all of this in architecture and design, it is that we have the incredible power to create phenomenal experiences for the end users. And I architecture, you know, I always look into an interior design, into the lighting of the space, the interior of the space and how the light comes into the space and makes you feel connection between the built environment, the light, the air you breathe, 
there is an immediately emotional connection with you know oneself. And I feel like that's extremely powerful. That's awesome. So you were talking about the light and how that helps you create the space. Do you pull inspiration from anywhere else when yes. you go to design a space? Yeah, I usually, it all depends. I sometimes, um, nature is my biggest inspiration for color palettes and designing. Um, the nature is, uh, everything is, you can use full spectrum of colors along as proportional. And it is, or you can do very monochromatic. There's like a cloud a day could be a monochromatic too. So, and I get also a lot of inspiration from when I'm trying to, when I travel, I always try to go to other places and hotels and I take tons of pictures and I love a magazine, like it's called Interior Design Magazine. And they always publicize like the coolest of restaurants in whatever, Singapore, London, New York. And they're very boutique and curated beautifully and the light and the material and everything is just lovely and that's how I get I might love a combination of colors or combination of textures or manufacturers too uh, we have a wonderful manufacturers and finishes that have using their materials so I get inspiration for just about everything I, I am very aware of things I'm always my, my kid says mom you're judging I says no I just have the ability to observe and I have an opinion but it's not judging <laughs> This may be too specific of a question, but do you remember sort of any inspirations or like creative processes that you had when you were uh, designing the buildings that you made at Purdue? Well, you know, the uh, biochemical engineering, I mean, the, the guys there, they were wonderful. You know, the staff, they were, all of their laboratories were in almost like a dungeon in a basement. And then they got this grant and then they now were going to have the building. And you think we were giving them uh, like a little kid in a candy shop. It was wonderful designing for them because they were just excited about anything. I mean, they didn't have natural light in the laboratories and now we have natural light. Their offices for faculties were like awful and now they have like a section for that and for the faculty and then we have a section for the graduate students and then we have laboratories. And then we have common places and an auditorium. So um, the inspiration that, I mean, it was from them they inspire us. And we had to tour their dungeon. And, and you go like, how in God's world these people can work under these conditions? And they have created some incredible things and the research they do. And so it was more trying to build an environment for them to thrive. And they were just lovely. I mean, I, I did love uh, the researchers and uh, professors because they were very opinionated and but with reason but they were reasonable because there's like when we knew where they were coming from we wanted to do our best to make it wonderful for them that's awesome okay so getting a little bit away from the sort of uh, creative design questions this uh, hks's first appointed female principal shareholder have you experienced any resistance when sort of leading or dealing with men and if so, how do you empower yourself and the women around you using that position? Yeah, I I don't. I have never felt any resistance from any male. At least they haven't come to my face. I really don't know. But I, I've never, I am like I told you before, I'm a kind person, but I'm direct. And I do not have a hidden agenda. It is what it is. And if it's, I have an issue, I just address it very professional. You know, I've been coached on my life to deal in, because I've been dealing in the men's world. So I have been coached how to apply else when you have a conflict to mitigate the conflict. 
And when it comes to empowering women, uh, well, um, the first, for example, the first time I sat at the table here and I saw all men around me, I'm sure, I'm sure HKS has at least a half a dozen remarkable women why not here sitting at the table. And I said, this is a good business decision because people want to do business with people they look alike. And there's more people like me out there now, um, or women. And then since then, I just also took it over on my, uh, to really promote women um, because they bring uh, a diverse opinion to the table. And my counsel to them is when you are sitting at the table, participate, but participate carefully. Don't be a little quiet little mouse. Because if you're at the table, they need to hear your voice. If they don't hear your voice, they forget about you. But I'm not saying they'll go like, hey, I'm here. Absolutely not. And then I coach a lot of, of women if they're having issues with a male um, on how to, to deal with that straight on. Um, removing the female to male, but just going right direct to the issue. Sometimes the issues is not about that. It's miscommunication. It is poor performance. It's many other things. So that's how I, I've been able to, to help other women. And I am a proponent of women on the every category. I think women bring incredible communication skills, thought processes is different. And now this is not being discriminated to men because I think men are wonderful. And actually men have, in my career, sponsor me and mentor me. And so, you know, the thing sometimes we put this very generalized, you know, and it is not, I always, when I promote or try to work with somebody, I promote the right person. You know, but there is, has to be an equality. Now in our firm right now, we have like four levels and level one to three, we are a hundred percent equal, equal females, equal males. But it is in the other two, when it goes into leadership, um, that the discrepancies start going like this. And so I've been working really hard in building the pool before the uh, partners too, so you can select people and mentor them and accelerate them and train them uh, as well without discriminating our male colleagues that they could be absolutely wonderful. Chris, uh, at the beginning of that answer, you brought up the sort of calm and empathetic attitude that you use when you're sort of in uh, those difficult situations. How do you think that's helped you throughout both your life uh, and your career? I've heard some somebody, when I was listening to a lecture, put it in a, in, a, in a way that I finally got it really clearly. You know about the golden rule, right? Treat others like you want to be treated. But I like, the, they call it the platinum rule. Treat others like they want to be treated. And that way, by making that small transformation, you really need to start getting to know the other individuals. And that's talking about acceptance, being aware, non-discriminating, because you need to know the other person, how they want to be treated, know how you want to be treated. And a lot of people judge you or they want to be treated like they want to be treated, but it's like, I don't want to be treated that way. So, you know, you need to get to know me, how I need to be respected and valued. And, and that is where I call it more like the empathy that I have. I need to understand what makes you tick, what upsets you, what, why do you have that opinion? Why is it that um, 
are you having difficulty with this position? You know, so I, I, I do ask a lot of questions to try to understand what is the root cause of the issue? Because that's usually what it is. And, and you have to ask why at least three or four times to really get to the root issue of any of your life, you know? And so that's what I, I use that. And I work with that, with that in, in my career and in, with everything. Except my kids, sometimes I am not very good about that with that's great. And I love hearing about, you know, understanding those around you to be able to get through an issue or get through conflict because, you know, then we all come out better instead of tearing each other down. But I'd like to ask, what has been the most rewarding part of your career so far? Well, in my career has gone in stages. At the beginning, when I was really designing, my rewarding part, it, it was seeing an opening and I, I compared that like giving birth because you work so hard for four years and you know, value engineering and things being back order and issues here. And then, and then you finally see it done and you walk into the space and you go, oh my God, you know, I designed it. And it's really fabulous. Then it moved to when, because of when I moved to healthcare, when I will hear a parent or a patient saying, this really made a difference on me. Or, or a nurse saying, I went home for the first time and I turned my radio on because we changed uh, the NICU for babies, the uh, neonatal intensive care unit. The beep, beep, beep is, drives you insane. So this woman for years had been driving home and silent to decompress between until she got home. And, and, and by us designing uh, private NICUs, but with still access to viewing um, all of the patients, um, it, little things like that. She drove home and listened to the first music for the first uh, for twelve years. I mean, it just little things like that. It really touches my heart that we are making a difference. That I, we're making a difference to our design. And then now later on in life, that I am more into administrative and um, working with, you know, making sure everybody's doing well and financial issues. And I, I join uh, my biggest reward is when somebody tells me, writes me a note and says, Anna, you really have made a difference in my life uh, as a person. So every time it, you know, it changes a little bit. So that's where I feel more rewarded is when I have helped somebody get somewhere or I've recognized somebody who is in a position and I've sponsored them to elevate themselves to another position. That is a complete satisfaction and that I feel the warmers in my heart. That is like, okay, well, I'm making a difference. Awesome. I mean, yeah, of course, you make a lot of impacts and a lot of differences in a lot of different places, including last year's uh, 2022 Old Masters program. I know you made a lot of impact on a lot of students then. Is there any way you could uh, reflect on your experience and how uh, you made sure to impact those students and sort of uh, let your life lessons go to them? Yeah, well, actually, students impact me. I didn't realize I impact the students, but the students impact me. When you hear the news and you hear everything, it's just so negative. And then you were all scared for the future, you know, global warming, politics, social economic issues, everything, you know, demographics, just, just like there's that really very few positive things. But when I went there and I saw all of you, how you behave, how you explain, how you talk, how you interacted with us, going to the classrooms, the questions they ask, the incredible confidence that you guys have. I mean, it's just, you know, confidence is like concrete, honey. It's just, it's just strong. And 
I, it is a renewed hope for me in the future. It's like, these kids, I know you know kids, young people are going to be in charge of this world. This world is going to be a better place. It is going to be a better place because you guys are, will, will lead it to be a better place. And I love that. That's why I, I was more impacted, I think, than you guys maybe were from me. Um, it was incredible. Renew hope for the future. Incredible, uh, renew commitment to Purdue. I think I really want to touch on one thing that, so Anna and I, we spent a lot of time together during the program. I was your ompo for uh, your group. And one of the biggest things is, so I'm pre-med, so I, eventually I'll be uh, a doctor. And I didn't really think we had a lot in common, right? You were interior design, I'm like pre-med, but through sitting and listening to you talk for three days, like I was so impacted just by how much you care and how much I didn't realize that designing a space or how much thought goes into some things that I never realized and thoughtful and think about these things. And it really impacted how I live my life. I just see how much goes into things that I didn't think before. And you really yeah. did impact our group for sure. Oh, and like, we all, we all left loving you and loving the experience. And I know your students that like were interior designs that um, got more, I guess, career focused advice from you definitely yeah. were also impacted. So we want to thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. But I, I was very impacted by you guys. So thank you. <laughs> well, um, Sticking on sort of the realm of student impact here, uh, do you have any advice uh, for any Purdue students that are majoring in either interior design or other uh, sort of smaller or lesser known programs at Purdue? Um, They don't feel that because it's not well known at Purdue that it is a less impact that you can make in the world. You know, Purdue has an incredible reputation in engineering and astronauts and you know a, a lot of really incredible things but they're also realize that that's only a portion portion of the world and it is only a few um, that can go through that threshold and that can make a huge impact but they also are realizing that there's others that it really sustains the economy you know uh, I was very impressed they, that they have about human experience, a uh, major there about human experience. To, and, and I mean, I don't know if the people probably know who are those on those programs, but the hospitality is the second best in the country. And it's not large, but it's the second best in the country. And it's not advertised much, but it's still the second best in the country. So, um you know, in interior design, we're ranked pretty high for Purdue University. We're in the top 10 in the country. And not many people know that even they have an interior design program. It is provided at Purdue University is excellent. It's just that the PR is more maybe spent or the monies or the faculty or um, alumni that there is more, you know, into those areas, but it is, the good thing is because of the incredible Purdue reputation, who cares where you went to go to Purdue? It's like my dad said. <laughs> my sister graduated from anthropology. From Purdue. You guys have anthropology. Excellent program. A brilliant woman who has written books that they recognize all over the world from Purdue University. There, there's things that, you know, everyone there will make an impact in whatever it is that you feel the love and that you want to do for your own you know future so Purdue is fantastic I have 
loved hearing from you today. You've shared some amazing insights and your knowledge will help a bunch of students. So we just want to thank you so much for coming here. Um, that was all the questions we had. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much. It was always great seeing you guys. You've been listening to season two of the Old Masters podcast, where we hear words of wisdom from past Boilermakers who have made great strides in their fields. Connect with the 2023 Old Masters class by attending this year's Evening with the Old Masters on Monday, November 6th at 5.30 p.m. Special thanks to our Old Masters podcast guests, our Old Masters advisors, Juno Matsuda-Johnson and Margie Jones, our Old Masters prom promotional officers and podcast producers, Parcia Bahrami, Ali Boyle, Martha Hunter, and Vivian Schmall, and the 2023 Old Masters Central Committee.